Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Hi to the Growing in Grace podcast here. Mike Kapler, Joel Brzezinski. Some people call it the Hotel Grace Euphoria. <laughs> here you can check in anytime you like, but you can always leave too. So a little yeah. different than the Hotel California. Yeah, we're not making you listen or making you stay. Um, you can check in, check out anytime. I think there probably have been listeners over the years that have done that. I, I, I know we've had listeners for... They've listened for years, and then they kind of checked out for a while, and then they checked back in. Hey, how you doing? It's good to hear hear from you again. And, you know, with over, with almost a 1,000 podcasts, I mean, we're not quite there, but over 900. Is that where we're at? I always, it's, again, the <laughs> age thing. Me. Are we, did we, did we surpass 800 or 900? I can't remember. Uh, I think we're past 900. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll take your word <laughs> for it. I think you're right. Because uh, as we record, I don't think what podcast number we're doing. But anyway, I can understand how a person would get bored with us. Just uh, tired of you guys. Enough. <laughs> and then after a while, hey, I like what, the, what those guys are about. I'm going to listen again. <laughs> so you're free to check in and check out anytime. We're, as we're, you were talking about it in advance here of, of recording here, we are two guys having a conversation. We are always uh, sharing our perspective of things, the way that we have come to see things. And, and as we've talked about many times, in so many ways, just our perspectives, you and me, Cap, they've kind of just come together. We've merged and we've see a lot of things the same way. Maybe not everything exactly the same way, and that's okay. Um, even if we had huge differences, not necessarily a bad thing. It, but we But we come together, we talk about these things. And the person who is listening, you who are listening, you can do with it what you want. Uh, We're not trying to shove anything down anyone's throat. Whether it's something like we've talked about the Paul and James series that we did, uh, where we believe that Paul and James were not uh, seeing eye to eye on things, or the, the Law Abolished series that we've done, where we talked about how the law, Ephesians 2, says that it was abolished in his flesh. It was wiped out, taken out of the way, and, and nailed to the cross, as Colossians says. So we're sharing a perspective, and humbly, we come before you, our dear listener, as submitting what we have to say, and again, you can do with it what you want. Yeah, so when you come and go, um, obviously when you come back to listen, you're kind of like rededicating your life to <laughs> us, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah. This is, we were this is our subject for this week: rededicating your life. Actually, what we were talking about before we came on, um, kind of a popular phrase I, I used to hear a lot before I, I came into the uh, gospel of grace, Joel, out there in, in Christendom, is genuine conversion. You ever Reli- heard that one? Religiondom. Remember, we f- keep forgetting to use oh, that yes. word. Religiondom. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I came up with that new word, and yes. I forgot about it already. Anyway, yeah, as so you were saying. Genuine conversion, right? I mean, that that's a, a phrase that gets thrown a lot out there in religiondom. Um, and what does it mean when somebody says, did they have a genuine conversion? Did they, did they really get saved? 
I remember years ago sharing the story. We've been on here for so long. I guess we can share a story more than once. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. There was uh, a young man that I knew back in my days of working radio, and he belonged to a, um, well, one of those evangelical conservative denominational churches um, in, in the area where we lived. Pretty legalistic in many ways. I mean, they talked about salvation by grace through faith, but then then all the fine print started showing up afterward, you know. <laughs> and so they were pretty pretty legalistic in the, in the big scheme of things. But he went to youth group there every night, or uh, every week, and he would share with me, because this was at a time where I was coming into grace, and so were you, Joel, and and he'd, start, he'd hear some of what we were talking about, and he kind of was trying to latch on to it, in spite of what he was being told from his church building. But he would say, you know, I would I would come out of there every week, wondering every 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 night of the youth meeting, I would come out of there, wondering if I was still saved. Mm. Was I really saved? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they would, you know, communicate these things about the you know having a genuine conversion and a, you know here's some ways that you can tell if you're really saved. And a lot of it, of course, had to do with behavior and works, and it just led him further and further away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, hearing some of that stuff, because it was really opposed to the gospel. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about this, Joel, uh, this genuine conversion idea, and how can you tell if somebody's really saved? How do I know if I'm really saved? And for the legalists out there, and this is a biggie for them, they want to know that you're really saved. <laughs> and, I had, and I know I've shared this before, too, that when I was helping out with the youth, youth group um a kid that would come up to me and he did this several times um over the course of several months i think it was maybe even years i'm not sure i can't remember but it joel joel i got saved again this week and (laughs) he was so excited that he got saved again (laughs) and that is somebody who does not have an assurance of of their salvation and just real quickly hebrews 10 22 let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And the, how Hebrews talks about the surety, the guarantee, the, your, your book, Cap, about the grace guarantee. There's a guarantee through what Christ has done. So let's start off with that. There's a, there is a guarantee of our salvation, of life in Christ, of everlasting life that's based not upon what we do, uh, not based upon what we do after we've, quote, been converted, after we've believed and and have received the life of God. Um, there is a guarantee that's based, again, not upon what we do, but upon what Christ has done on our behalf. He offered himself. He shed his blood on our behalf uh, so that we could have all of these things that God has desired to give to us. There are many people, though, in the boat of what you were talking about and, and the, the example I shared that well that person if he had to be saved over and over again if he had to do that again that shows that he wasn't really saved to begin with or or, or really if that person doesn't have X amount of works or, or certain works then that person wasn't genuinely saved and so you get these people who listen to these messages and they'll <laughs> You know what? It's true. I, I, I just I haven't been dedicated enough. I, 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 I dedicated myself to Christ, but uh, as time has gone on, I can just tell that I haven't been as dedicated as as I used to be, and I've kind of just gone off and done my own thing. And 
So now I need to rededicate my life to Christ. And the truth is, you will never find any of that in any of the scriptures. You'll never find how salvation or life in Christ is based upon our dedication or rededication. But these fruit inspectors, these people who think that there needs to be a certain amount of works, a certain level of works, they will say, they will question people's other people's salvation. And you notice how they really won't ever question their own um, because they've got it all together. They're doing it right, whatever that means. And so the question would come, well, what is that line? How do you know if you've <laughs> if you've got the right works? Because, well, according to the law, there were 613 commandments that a person had to keep, and nobody could live up to that. And according to some believers, there's 1,050 New Testament commandments that a person has to live by. Uh, so if you're not living by all of those, are you genuinely saved? But so what is it? How, is there a line? Is there a measurement that you can tell if a person has genuinely been converted, has a genuine conversion? And it's all just a whole bunch of hooey because it's all based not upon what we do, but it's based upon the finished work of Christ. So what do you have to say about that, Cap? I have nothing else to say about that. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> You remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about how uh, theology schools and seminaries and stuff, how they how they say that the law is broken up into three different parts? Mm -hmm. And, of course, we pointed out that the Bible really doesn't say that. It's just made-up stuff. <laughs> it's just made up based on false assumptions. Some will do the same with works. Um, they could be talking about three different kinds of works, works that are produced, and they appear to be good, but they're not necessarily uh, then there's works that comes from someone's conscience, and then there's works that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. The problem, again, is the Bible doesn't talk about any there's of that. I know say. it's taught. <laughs> I know that sort of stuff is taught, and people will try to make sense out of it. But the fact is that there are no works that you can do or that I can do that are going to bring salvation or sanctification it's not going to confirm anything to do with your relationship with God. Works will not do that. You know, Paul said in Romans 10, and I know there's a passage here, but I'm going to jump in the middle because a lot of people would be familiar with this, and that is Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes. And the heart is something people can't see understand that mm -hmm. with the heart a, a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation so we have righteousness righteousness and salvation based upon this combination of believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth whoever the scripture says paul paul starts quoting some old testament stuff here for the scripture says whoever believes in him will not be put to shame whoever believes in him will not be put to shame remember ephesians chapter 2 that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works. No one can boast. Well, Paul goes on here, the, wrapping this up in Romans chapter 10. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. See, he taught the same gospel to both. Those mm -hmm. who were under the law, the circumcision, those who were called the uncircumcision, who were not under the law. There's, there's no distinction. There's no difference here. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, abounding in riches of all who call upon him. For, Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13 is actually Paul quoting from Joel chapter 2. 
What a dumb name for a book. Yeah, really. Joel. Who would do that? Uh, 232. And and Peter referred to that same passage in, in Acts chapter 2. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're wondering, how can I know if I'm saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that was the question the Philippian jailer asked when the apostles were being let out of prison supernaturally with the help of God. And the jailer was going to consider killing himself because if he didn't, somebody else was going to for letting these guys out. And he said, well, what must I do to be saved? Um, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've, we've complicated this. And by trying to mix works into it, and we need to emphasize again for you new listeners out there, we're not against good works. Right. Good works are a part of the Christian life. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, but they're not our works. It's God working in and through us. And it's a different thing. And I know it's a fine line out there for the legalistic mindset to go from that into grace. I understand. I struggled with it, too, some 25 years ago. I, I was having a hard time separating these these concepts. But the, the fact is that we cannot expect, like you said, Joel, what would constitute, what would verify that somebody is truly saved? I mean, what works would we list to verify that? There aren't any. Because it's not based on that at all. And it's not just there. Works aren't just there to try to prove that you're God's child. That's not what they're there for. Works occur, as we talked about before, with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of God's Spirit flowing through us. And when that occurs, it's based not to try to prove something. It's just based out of love. Yeah. I mean, that's that's so well said that... So many people look at works as something that proves something. But the, indeed, God did not create us in Christ Jesus for good works ah, so that they can prove that they're saved, as evidence that they're saved. But yet people will uh, use those words to make it seem like there has to be some sort of evidence. But these works, he created us in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. And it's not a it's not a demand. It's not a command it's it's not something that well we have to do this or we're not saved but this it's it's actually works are kind of a benefit of the holy spirit working in and through us i mean that's it's it's it again it is his works that he's producing and we just bear those works um and going back to something that paul had said you were talking and i'm going to go to the book of mike right now because i'm just going to make <laughs> up a book since I, there, since there's a book of joel there has to be a book of mike Actually, there's not. It's Romans. <laughs> I'm going to Romans. Romans 4. Paul, Paul, what what shall we, beginning, very beginning of Romans 4, what then shall we say about Abraham? Uh, what shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. So if, if there is something that needs to prove our that the were saved before God it's definitely not going to be works for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness it was Abraham's faith it was Abraham's belief in God God made a promise to Abraham and, and he believed it that goes back to Genesis 15:6 and that faith his belief in God in what God had said, that was accounted to him for righteousness, had nothing to do with his works. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. What Paul is saying there is if you're going to do works, then you're paid, you are paid for those works. 
somebody owes you. God owes you for those works. If you're going to stand before God with your works, then and you're going to say, here, I've done these works, then God owes you. And they're not counted as grace, but as debt. And But, but verse 5, to him who does not work, to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. There's <laughs> There's so much that Paul says here. You don't work, but you believe on him who justifies the ungodly. It doesn't say that believes on him who justifies those who do good works or those who have the evidence of good works, but God justifies the ungodly. <laughs> I mean, that is such good news. And again, we're not glorying in ungodliness. We're just saying that for the ungodly people, which apart from Christ, apart from being justified by faith, that was all of us. God who justifies the ungodly, you believe on him and not work. That person's faith is accounted for righteousness. It's the person who does not work. And so I always say that the evidence, uh, if, if you need evidence of salvation, it's not works, but it's that person in their heart. That person is the only one who can know, and it's the person who is at peace knowing that they have not done any works to justify themselves. The person who has not done any works to say, here, God, look at my works, look what I have done. But it's the person who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. There, Right there, there's your proof. And again, somebody else can't judge somebody else's heart. So only in your own heart could you know that you believe on him who justifies the ungodly. Yeah, faith <laughs> is the evidence, right? I yes. mean, uh, this idea that some, we have to somehow prove something through works. Remember, we just talked about how the walking by the Spirit occurs apart from works, apart from the works of the law and works in general. And if you fall into that trap, then you're in the same place that the Pharisees and the hypocrites were in in Jesus' day. Remember when Jesus said, hey, uh, be careful not to practice your righteousness in the sight of other people to be noticed by them. Mm -hmm. That's the only reward you're going to get. Think about that for a minute. You, you know, because that's what they would do, right? They would do these good deeds in front of people for the purpose of being seen. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's not New Covenant Christianity at all. So if there's somebody out there, genuine conversion, oh, they went down to the altar, oh, they prayed the prayer, but I don't know if they really meant it. <laughs> um, well, look, that's not for you and me to judge. And just because somebody doesn't suddenly start picking up a Bible and, and going to church every week, just because they don't always change everything in their lifestyle and behavior right away, that's no place for us to step in and suggest that they aren't really saved. You have no place ever doing that, ever. Don't get caught up in that. So how do works genuinely fit into our lives in Christ? You know, like we said, we're not against works, but how do they fit into our lives in Christ? That's the topic for next week here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.